Hi, I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And this is Grit, a podcast on the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> We're back. We're back. This uh, is probably the most consistent we've been. Yeah, pretty excited. Uh, thanks to everyone who downloaded the QAnon episode. Seems like... <laughs> The world is really craving information right now about QAnon. Yeah, I think we uh, single-handedly took down Little Miss Patriot after the last Did episode. Did you, you saw it? Yeah. I was going to break it over and tell yeah. you. You saw it. So what happened? I think her account just got reported her. Because of I her pod? <laughs> let's, let's, uh, yes, let's make this about us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, okay, so we, we, we single-handedly, Gritz single-handedly <laughs> took down a QAnon propagator. Yeah. I, I'm going to claim it. Why not? Wow. I, it's funny because I was, I was going to talk to you about it and you didn't even... Okay, that's <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah, it really shows our, our influence. Well, thanks to everyone who's listened <laughs> and, and provided feedback and, you know, continue. We'll, we'll, we'll as, as QAnon infiltrates Congress, we'll be sure to provide updates. Uh, all right, Anna, what's been going on? What are your life, life updates besides postponement of La Boda? Also known as a casamiento, also known as the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, um, yeah. So that's gonna be next year. It's kind of a way off, and also I hope to um, be back in to my fighting weight anyway. Cause quarantine, I got the quarantine nineteen. So is that um, a thing? Is that what... like COVID nineteen? But you gained nineteen pounds. <laughs> I didn't gain that much weight, but I, I, heard of that. I definitely, that. like, find my only joy in life is from, uh, cooking. yeah, cooking new things and cocktails. So, um, it will be, it will be, uh, give me time to get back to my normal, normal routine, but, um. There's no griddle expectation. I know, and it really shouldn't even be something that I think about, but everyone, I feel like, wants to look. I feel like I'm stronger. I feel like I'm stronger after quarantine because I've just been yeah. going to yoga and walking and just like all of the angst I have about our creeping rise of authoritarianism. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> downward dog. <laughs> I have to say I was really like and I saw a tweet the other day and I really identified with it of like quarantine has been so long that I've gotten into shape and back out of shape again because <laughs> I did like a running I did a running program and I completed that and that was good and you're like well yeah I really and I got my push-up count up like at one point I was like obsessed with doing push-ups every day and I that was May or June like that was a long time ago <laughs> here we are here we are um but I did do for the first time ever I've resisted TikTok. I still don't have a TikTok, but I saw a TikTok dance that I really liked. The one was to, it to WAP? Yeah, the one to WAP. <laughs> Wait, no, really? And I did it the other day, <laughs> and I still it hurts to sit on the toilet. My legs are so sore. But you did the WAP dance? Yeah, I can show you a video. Okay, for yeah. those of our listeners who haven't been keeping up with contemporary American music, uh, Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion debuted a infamous track, which. I will say I've been able to read some of the astounding praise for the song and just their criticism of uh, like the patriarchy in general. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Like, for example, um, one of the the author of I think it was the in The Observer, an article um, described how white like white um, 
like the white evangelicals, the white religion, they like they love mm-hmm. to talk about it, right? And mm-hmm. they love to ruminate about WAP and like the destruction of American society, mm-hmm. and how Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion played upon that theme by by reciting within a mansion and peeking into rooms as like mm-hmm. a very voyeuristic theme. Like the voyeurism is expressed. Like white evangelicals love to peer into like rap and and then condemn it, but mm-hmm. they're just like looking in. They're really not immersing themselves in the culture or you know the understanding of what what WAP actually means <laughs> would you like to yeah elaborate on WAP <laughs> I don't think I have a lot of intellectual thoughts on it okay I think, I think it's very I mean I I have seen a lot of the Twitter well the Ben Shapiro that is so, so funny tell, to me okay so tell our listeners like what happened said, no 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 but tell oh. they, might not, they might not know who Ben Shapiro is okay he's right wing nut of a guy. I don't know what his background is. Yeah, exactly. he's just a white, right-wing conservative pundit. Yeah. Um, and he made a comment. There's, like, a line about um, <laughs> needing, like, a bucket and a mop. <laughs> and he, he was like, I think anyone who needs, like, a bucket and a mop like, he, no, has he a medical goes, condition. No, he's like, I asked my wife, who's an oh, OBGYN, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's and she's very, she's, she's very clear in her, uh, in her response that if, you know, Basically, if you're sexually aroused, you shouldn't need a a, muck, a, a, bu- a bucket and a mop, and it's <laughs> and then it like and then everyone's like, I feel really bad for Ben Shapiro's wife. <laughs> like she's clearly he just not owned it. himself on. I mean, he doesn't even get it. And then it's he continued. So he like the hole just kept getting deeper and deeper with like the comments that he was making about his sexual repression. Uh, <sighs> Um, but yeah, I did the dance in my house. I learned I'm it. I'm very proud uh, of you. I learned it on my own, and I made um, Alex film me <laughs> doing it. Will that be debuted can, on the Instagram? Oh, it is not going in public at all. But you're welcome to watch it. Um, but really, it did make me sore, and it made me it reinvigorated my need to like move my body. And um, so I, I'm not anti TikTok anymore. I think it's like really fun. Um, oh, I know people who've been radicalized on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Well. I haven't, like, done a lot of scrolling. I've just seen some of the dances and stuff and some recipes. I do get offended when there are 11-year-olds with larger TikTok followings than I have Twitter followers. Yeah, it seems like it, a trend it, it, that I just, like, I'm I like, feel just because left you, like, out of. I feel personally attacked by it. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what have I done in my life to not be a TikTok star? And now I have 2,500 followers on Twitter, and, like, I'm embarrassed about it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, okay, my updates, besides not participating in the WAP uh, viral phenomena, well, Nug has returned. I don't think I, I discussed this on a previous episode. For Yay. those of you listening, yes, uh, my cat, who I picked up canvassing in David Bird's district in 2018 in Trailer Park, went missing June 18th. And we, I woke up. I was devastated. I have, I have cried a million Nile rivers over Nug, Nugget, Nugget, affectionately called Nugget Coleman Bain, NCB for short. I love that you put your last name last because I do that with my cats too. <laughs> well, to be to be fair, it was like TCB taking care of business, CB mm-hmm. Coleman Bain, so mm-hmm. FCB Frankie Coleman Bain, Nug Coleman Bain, so okay. taking care of business in honor of Elvis. I don't know if you followed that chain, but there we are. So Nug goes missing June 18th. We, Chris canvasses the entire neighborhood. Two and a half months later, 
Chris is pinged by his next door neighbor in Five Points, and she says, you should check out this post on East Nashville and Inglewood found pets. Someone had posted a photo of what looked like Nug, very swollen, very just scrappy looking, on the, uh, at the intersection of Hart and Dickerson, which was about five and a half miles away from Five Points. So Chris and I immediately jump in the car. We go over to the neighborhood. I end up taking the afternoon off to canvas about 300 houses with, you know, a lost and found portrait of the image of what looked like Nug. While I was canvassing, the same thread within Facebook, someone posted a screenshot of, of an app called Paw Boost. And they said, wow, the, that photo looks a lot like Nug. Sure enough, it was Nug just situated on a very cush white down comforter living his best nug life and i was like oh my god that's actually nug so we contacted the person via this app via paul paw boost drove to nolensville picked up nug so here's the story turns out nug probably crawled into the back of an amazon or a ups truck fell asleep driver noticed him in the back of the truck 40 miles from nashville in nolensville tossed nug out Nug was found on the side of the Harpeth by a UTC graduate student uh, and taken back home. They kept him for, so there's a whole month unaccounted for between June 18th and, and July. And then they immediately picked him up, <laughs> took him to the vet. Uh, he's fine. And he has returned. And just yesterday we recorded a segment for the local news station about Nug. And I told Chris, I was like, we really need a subplot. Like, what's the subplot? Well, clearly there is already one laid out with Frankie and Nug. It's it's the essential national Milo and Otis. And so they asked for all these pictures of Frankie, you know, the pug and Nug, the the kitten, and so we had them both in the in the shot. Um, and it's just been it it, it has it's it's been a tender a tender reunion to say the least. So beautiful. So be I'm, sure I'm we'll, so glad you once the article's out, we'll, we'll be sure to post it. I honestly can't believe that because that's like well, and and the and the crazy. anchor or the the news correspondent asked us. She said, you know, what does this tell you about the power of social media and community? And mm -hmm. what was just really, I think, overwhelming for me as someone who's never felt like a part of Nashville. Like Nashville has always been home to bachelorettes or like creatives or music country, you know, country music stars. Mm -hmm. And finally, with this nug. Um, with the whole Nug saga, it's finally felt like I have I was part of a community in which Five Points came together and everyone collaborated and felt, you know, they, they felt compelled to bring Nug, Nug home in a way that was their part of their shared sense of their neighborhood and their story. And so it was the first time I felt like part of Nashville. Yeah. And I, and it, I was really overwhelmed. I took Frankie out for a walk the night before we went to go pick up Nug and two neighbors stopped me like, oh my God, I heard about Nug on Facebook. Like, what's the deal? Tell me the story. And so I told it, you know, as I, as I was walking Frankie, I probably told the story two or three times on the street and I just felt like, wow, like this is, this is a community. So. I love that. And that kind of relates to oh, what wow. we were going to talk about, that sense of belonging and um, trying to figure out like your way in life. And we're kind of in that, in that phase of life. And so particularly right now, I've been struggling a lot with like identity and the more negative aspects of social media as far as like feeling like you need to define your brand and, and really, you know, pick a path and stick with it. And so I reached out to Afton and was like, hey, can we just like, because we could talk about anything and I'm just feeling so burnt out with like politics and policy and trying to do research and everything. And I'm really just like going through it personally. And 
I wanted to hear a little bit about her path of growth and how she got to where she is in her life and hope hopefully it can shed a little bit of, of light for me on what I need to do and also help people out there. <laughs> well, it seems like it. a lot of, especially professional women right now that are in our circles are feeling very lost because I think you know, in a pandemic and, you know, as women growing up in the South, like we were always taught that these inscribed institutions such as rearing children or marriage, as you know, you assume these roles of, of mother and wife, that these would provide some inherent and intrinsic value for you. And I think as, you know, as we you know, have gone to college and, and graduate school and have become, have really leaned into our professional selves that I think a lot of us, especially, you know, our, our female listeners, young women, professionals that are listening, this time has been very difficult. You know, dating is difficult. If you don't have kids, you know, you're reckoning with these institutions and what they mean and, and what you want for them to be. Yeah. I think that there's like, there's societal expectations and then there's like personal expectations and, one thing I just keep coming back to is like joy and happiness because like I think you can find that in the simplest things but it's really like all within a broken system or like kind of a like there are messed up structures that exist and you just have to like figure out a way to like continue to pursue happiness or a, a personal mission or something like that and it's just really easy to like phone it in or kind of like numb yourself out to things and just let life happen to you rather than you like choosing your charting your own path and choosing your way and I think part of that's like a confidence thing like I definitely struggle with that of like and you're just like so confident and so I want to like I want to kind of like hear you talk about how you found self-assurance and just like felt confident in the path that you pursued in your life well I think you know Anna Anna is a very analytical person and she you know she's she's incredibly deep and she's incredibly thorough and therefore she you know she's like okay well you know and you've you've talked about this like okay maybe mm -hmm. I want to be a lawyer I'm gonna I'm gonna research and and dive into what this profession could be and what it would mean for my self-development and for me like things have just things have just come to me and I was actually I, I didn't tell you this before the pod but one thing I wanted to disclose which is really shocking I think for for probably you and a lot of other people that might be listening to this um you know one is that I've I've always been driven by a cause and it doesn't matter what the cause is but I've always found inherent value in you know working towards a campaign or something that you know I really believed in a full, you know remedying a, a, an injustice in the world but one thing that I haven't talked about is that I've, I was actually radicalized through the anti-vaccine movement. And I don't know, did you know, did no. you know that? Okay, <laughs> I wanted to see what you what your reaction oh was. How'd you yeah. get there? Yeah. Yoga? So, no. <laughs> well, so after, when I graduated UT Austin in undergrad, I, I graduated with a degree in psychology. I had applied for 10 PhD programs and I didn't get into any of them and so for me I was I was trying to figure out you know did I want to go into research did I want to be a psychologist did I want to be a social worker did I want to do therapy did I want to 
you know, live my life as a, on a, you know, on a nudist colony in Austin <laughs> and just live the life of a, you know, 70s activist. And I fell into uh, a job because of the connections I had made and not necessarily a predetermined path that I had researched and Googled and had, you know, had, 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 had all the qualifications in order to be. I just kind of fell into it. And so I started working as a scheduler for a biomedical research facility. And a lot of the families that came into this facility were treating their child's autism with biomedical um, solutions. And that led, that led into um, another position where um, I worked for a pediatric gastroenterologist that was trying to prove that kids with autism have a novel GI uh, disease. But because he was such a staple in the autism community, especially in Austin, I met all the big players. So I met Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who was the one who published the article in The Lancet. Um, he was in my personal circle in Austin. Um, and Austin was really the, um, the cell and the incubator for a lot of the anti-vaccine movement across the country. But, you know, I, like, I was never an anti-vaccine person. It was just that I saw the injustice of what these families claimed had happened to their families. And a lot of these families had claimed, I wouldn't say a lot of them, I would say maybe a third of them had claimed that their child's autism was caused by this vaccine that happened, a vaccine mm -hmm. injury, right? And unfortunately, a lot of the families that I had spoken to, at least three or five, um, had received millions of dollars of tax tax dollars conceding from the U.S. government that their that their child received autism through this vaccine through the va vaccine injuries compensation program. So all that to say is that like my worldview was shaped by these people who were on the fringe of society who really believed in the injustice that their family and their child, um, you know, had endured. And, and I just felt like, you know, how, how do you see all this? But, but the slippery slope, and this is what's crazy, is that the slippery slope is like, I immediately, having worked with these families, the U.S. government was not on their side, right? And there's obviously, like, libertarian, and now we just see kind of the, the, the talons of, like, anti-government and, like, what it really has blown into, which is, like, kind of crazy QAnon, you know, far-right, mm -hmm. you know, propaganda, but at the time, it led me down this path of like, well, what else, what else has the U.S. government done? So what happened is I started researching Latin American coups, right? And I was like, oh, my God, the, the U.S. has staged coups in Iran, Guatemala, Bolivia, uh, Chile, all of, you know, and I majored, I, I half majored in Latin American politics. And it was just like, oh, my God, what else is not true? And, and that radicalized me to get to a point where I was like, I want to go to graduate school to learn more about oppression and race and colonialism. And so, yes, I went to graduate school for social work and public policy. And it, and it just, and it was a cascade of like, really not having a predetermined path. Like I never wanted to be a social worker. I never wanted to be a lawyer. I never wanted to be a public policy person. But it led me to get to a point where I found myself back in East Tennessee after Trump was elected telling my parents I wanted to get into politics and yet I didn't know what that path was. I just mm -hmm. knew that like shit was happening in the world. I wanted to be in the trenches and whatever job allowed me to, to be there, that's what I wanted. And I sought it and I like, you know, and it's not like, what is the the secret where you're secreting? No, it's a joke from 30 Rock. But like, <laughs> but like you believe like whatever you manifest will come true. And suddenly, mm -hmm. like I had this job where I was a community organizer in the midst of, you know, Trump, Trump gate and, and the ACA, you know, and the congressional fights mm -hmm. against healthcare, which led me to this job. And now, and, and Anna and I were talking earlier, 
it's it's been a cascade of just and and I think I have this luxury of one you know having a lot of privilege and being able to seek out professions that aren't necessarily compensated well or you know that are aligned with my interests but you know it's just been it's been trial and error to a point where I've gotten to the level of my professional career where I'm learning from the brightest people in the field I feel fulfilled uh, because I'm in coalition and working in partnership with with folks who bring me a great sense of joy and I you know, and I, and I feel very guilty for having that and having talked to you who, you know, and my friends who feel like, you know, right now they just don't feel a sense of purpose or like, what is there else to live in the world? Like what else is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I like looking at you as an example because you, there are different versions of success like in life and it's really easy to be influenced by the people around you. And so that could be a suburban house in a safe, I'm using quotations, safe neighborhood with a garage and 2.5 kids and, you know, one year, one time a year vacation. And you're a very exploratory person. You're a very experiential person. Like, you like to have experiences. And you don't have a mortgage payment. And, like, you, you know, like, you, you're very consistent as a person. Like, you're a consistent friend. You're consistent in your work life. Like, it's not like you're, like, just totally free free floating like wherever the wind blows you like you're a, you're an adult in that way so I guess I'm just like really grappling but, with like but define, what does it mean to be an adult yeah. and what does it mean to be like successful in your life like I feel torn so much between like playing as an adult what I feel like is and maybe this is just the secret of adulthood is that you don't have it figured out no no one does about. no one does but like I was striving for so long to be an adult and then now I'm like don't I feel so immature in a lot of ways and yeah I just I I mean I and also that belonging issue too or like feeling like you're in the right place and I'm probably overthinking it and there's probably other factors (laughs) do you feel like you I mean why do you feel like you know women who have families, spouses, kids, internal circles of, of deep community and, and family dynamics, like, why do you feel like they're more adults than you are in this moment? I guess because they have a, they, they're kind of, like, bound to the obligations and the responsibilities that they have to the point where they're very, like, practical and just very, like, like, I've just, as much as I want to be domestic, and I think a lot of people would say I probably am because, like, I cook and clean and, you know, have a house and all that kind of stuff, but, like, it really is, like, a struggle for me and kind of goes against my nature. Like, my nature is I would, if it was up to me, I would constantly be with interesting people talking till three in the morning like I'm not a morning person I'm a night person and I'm a talker but yeah I find myself playing as like well I say too much when I talk so like I'm not gonna like I think that's the wrong English <laughs> like I don't sorry it's okay <laughs> like I'm always trying to be something that I'm not and that I think there's this idea of, like, what you should be. And that's not me. But I don't fit anyone's 
definition. And it feels like, I don't feel like I'm the progressive hipster creative, like, and I don't feel like I'm the, (laughs) you know, I don't feel like I'm the Green Hills, like, soccer mom. Like, I don't feel like I'm any of it. And I, and I just, like, I really do feel like I have, like, a lot to offer professionally, socially, and it just doesn't translate because I don't feel like I found my path. Your niche, yeah. Well, and if Julianne Bain was here, she would say, well, you are nearing your Saturn return, <laughs> which for those of you who don't know, um, every 27 years, Saturn makes its great return into your life. And so all of these, you know, shaky structures crumble and I you know and like I really you know I feel for you Anna because I was there you know and and it you know I think of all my friends dealing with these transitions and and trying to find themselves in this pandemic and find their you know their soulmates or have children and it's like it's really fucking difficult and it sucks yeah yeah and I like I'm lucky I think the part that's hard is that like I have a lot of it figured out or I thought I did you know like like I have a partner that will support me like we could move to New York you know next week and it would be totally fine and we'd figure it out figure it out like I don't feel boxed in by like misogyny or like these or kids or, or like kids or anything like kids, yeah, yeah like it it doesn't like I know my mom would take our cats in a second <laughs> If they couldn't make it with us, like, if we were going to go abroad or something, like, and we both have those exploratory dreams, but it's just so easy to get boxed in by, like, outward definitions of success and what, what it looks like in the South, especially, like, that's what I'm facing so much of, like, not only do I not feel, and I, and I have the experience of standing out in Louisiana and then standing out in Connecticut, too. Yeah. And... feeling like I didn't belong in New York or like I wasn't like edgy enough or like I and not that I have not, it's not about like backwards views at all like I'm 100% regressive and I think it's all like intellectually sound and I think of myself as smart I just never felt like I pl- like played the cool like New York type you know like I don't know because because like it's, like, you lived in these places like I just feel like it's personality wise but I, I think it's a conf- it's a confidence, I guess. It just all comes back to, like, once you find something that makes you feel good every day, like, just having the confidence to pursue that despite the people that are around you, you know? I'm going to tell you an anecdote that I, I don't think I've ever, I've like, buried it deep inside. But there have been two occasions where it happened in college, post-college and post-high school, where, like, one of the cool girls you know, in my sorority at college at UT Austin and one of the cool girls in high school. And in high school, I came back um, after I moved back from Europe and she crossed the street. Like, it was like, I was just radioactive. Like, she had to cross the street. And then the one in college, post, post-graduate, she was in line to wait for, you know, a, 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 an order. And I said, hey, Julie. And she looked around and she pretended she didn't know me. Mm. And it was just this revelation that, 
like here I had subscribed to being in a sorority and doing all of the like southern right things and even then I wasn't accepted by that community like Mm -hmm. and I just and for me I think I've always had a deep sense of not necessarily who I am but like what I want in life which is power Mm -hmm. like I told Anna (laughs) Anna and I were talking about therapy earlier and my therapist always asks me to to transcribe my dreams when they happen and the recurring dream I've had is standing up in a cafeteria full of women I don't know why I was there or whatever and saying I don't want children I want power and just (laughs) screaming it at the top of my lungs and for someone who grew up with my mother telling me never have kids because you will you know you'll have to give up a lot you'll have to sacrifice professionally which is what she was Mm -hmm. saying and where I am now with seeing the consequences and the ramifications of women having kids and being in the political field and what they're able to achieve um, because we don't offer, you know, it's like the political field hasn't met the challenge of working moms. They really haven't. But -hmm. also the deeply patriarchal structures that these women are are involved with because they've chosen marriage and they've chosen to to raise children and I think in the south it's it's incredibly difficult to shake those mm-hmm. especially if if you've grown up here and that's all you've been told is the definition of success the metric of success is how many kids you have the bigger the the square footage of your house yeah and where your kids go to school yes and imagine yeah. being in progressive politics in Tennessee and Louisiana where like our definitions of success are like how many people I can contact in a phone bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think impact and value of the work you're doing definitely affects it. But uh, like I was saying to you earlier, we talked about this for like an hour and a half before we started recording because it's just like so all encompassing. And it also is just like this time where like you're you can't be distracted by things like. Typically, I do class pass, and I'm doing two regular classes a week, and then I add in one, like, new one. So I'm, like, constantly just, like, and then on the days I don't do that, I do chores till I go to sleep. And, like, I'm just distracting myself, like, completely from everything. And I'll answer emails before I go to bed, and I'll check Twitter and right when I wake up. And, like, I just don't even have any margin at all. And I guess I have a little bit more now to the point where it's, like, I'm having, like, a total breakdown <laughs> over this stuff. And it has to do with, like, I know my numbers for work. Like, I'm on top of things, like, and I feel accomplished. And it's not even about the job because it does check the boxes for me. It's more so, like, how to be okay with yourself. And not to look. I've been looking externally and going, like, how do they do that? And I really mean, like, how do they wake up and how are they okay with themselves? Wow. And that's, like, horrible. (laughs) Like, and the podcast has really, like, you know, my confidence issues that come out. I'm going to cut this out. No, 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 keep going. It's great. Because it's, like, I just keep thinking, like, I'm just adding to the noise. Like, I'm just doing this for myself or like what do I really have to what value do I have to add and I think you know I have a lot to offer like, <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> but but like I really just I'm unsure about like how I'll offer that and the best option for 
I keep going back to like the best option for me in the position that I am to please everyone is to do that through a family because you actually have the like I guess the control or like you have you can set the standards for like what your family will be like and so that just seems like the best option and that's what most women choose like most women in the south like choose that that's going to be like through their charity work and through their involvement with their kids and their kids in school and maybe they have a small business or maybe they work with their husband or like maybe they have a, a thing that they do on the side um even if they have to make money they're like a secretary or they like work in an office and but that's not their purpose in life their purpose in life is their children and their family and I just really feel like mine is bigger than that and I don't mean to diminish that I just mean that like even if I have a family I think that I'm still gonna need something else and then you start putting yourself out there for like people to say you're not a good mom or Mm -hmm. you're not a good woman yeah and I think you know women you know men wake up one day and they roll out of bed and they're like I could be a dad I could be a US <laughs> senator why don't I try it out I'm gonna throw yes. on a bow tie and yeah. like I'm gonna I'm gonna try it on and this is what I'm gonna do and and I think that and I think as millennial southern women in this time of political reckoning and having and, and being friends with women who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s and you know, reliving the trauma of their past lives and these roles that they have sought to serve, you know, in their, in their family as well as professional careers. And like, we're all just trying to figure it out, you know, and you will. And it's like, you know, you're still young and, and it's only this year. And as Anna was talking about finding a, a, a sense of peace and ease during this, this moment of time. And, and for me, like, I feel like I'm there. I even told, I had a meeting with uh, one of the boss of my boss of my boss today uh, and she asked how I was doing and I just said I, I feel totally at ease like I wake up and I'm, I'm trying you know I'm doing as much as I can with in the with the bandwidth that I have ahead of this election and I go to yoga and I play with my pug and my and my new and my newly found kitten <laughs> and I get to see Anna and it's just these little things that provide me so much relief and solace and and gratitude in the world and and it makes me really sad that you you know you're not at a place like that right now Mm -hmm. well I think like I've just I have been in that place like but I thought I was like but it was more so that I was rationalizing it that I was like well at least I have like good coffee when I wake up and at least I like go on a date night once a week and all that stuff and all of that would be the same whether I was doing my dream job or not you know and so like I know that I can find joy in the little things and I just need to find like a deeper sense of purpose or and it's not that I should that I don't have it as I am now it's just that I'm having this like existential turmoil which is probably related to what planet is it Saturn rising <laughs> I, know. I, heard, I heard this week like my this all started honestly when the full moon happened yeah, yeah, and then like yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah. posting and they're like who was up this morning like who was up in the middle of the night like 
my mom, I'm man, telling you, and I, like me, I'm and my <laughs> my fat return man. was so brutal that my mom hired an astrologer to walk me through my Saturn return because that's how that that is the level of despair I reached. Yeah, it's just so crazy how it's like out of nowhere we're like, but it's not at the same time. Like all these things are true, and I can be okay with them. Like. I can be okay in the moment. And you're going to climb out of it. You're going to climb out of it. And that's the thing. It's even in my worst moments, I mean, I was incredibly depressed this summer. I mean, for a period of probably two weeks, it was so hard for me to go get out of bed. I mean, I could not get out of bed. That's how bad it was. And as someone who's gregarious and an extrovert, I think more, more an introvert, but (laughs) it, it, you're outgoing. Yeah. I'm not going. It was crippling. It was crippling, but you know you're you will walk out of it and like at least we have luxury and privilege to be able to kind of ruminate and to have the space to to walk into and to realize that you know all of the things we're grateful for but to also to find yourself I mean Anna Mm -hmm. like you know you're you're not going to be a comms director forever and your path will change and it will pivot in ways that you never expected but that's the beauty of life and it's unpredictable, and you can't plot it out on a power map, okay? I'm such a planner. I I'm know, you're planner. like, in what, in what decade will I be head Well, of? and it, it, but the goals, I guess the goals rapidly shifting was what really shook me, because mm. for the longest time it was, like, more square footage, like, you're, like, making real estate investments, <laughs> and, <Right>. like, <laughs> and, like, what school, you gotta get in a good school zone, and if we're gonna, like, really have a future in Nashville, what would it look like? And you're like, wait. I don't want to be a member of a country club. Like, I genuinely don't. Like, I really don't. And that's fine. And that's fine. But it's, like, so hard for me to realize that that's not the pinnacle that I thought it was, you know? And, like, it could be. But I mean, it's but great for other people. That. Everything is great. If someone picks their path and they're okay with it and that's what they want, like, more power to you. And I guess what I'm just, like, watching other people pick their paths, whether they are you know, just doing it because it's, like, what they're taught to do or not. And I just feel like I could go so many ways. Like, I could go hundreds of ways, which is The world is nice. your oyster. And, but then I also feel like doors are starting to close. I'm at that age where it's, like, you just feel like they're just starting to close. I mean, some doors are and some out. doors are continuously open. I mean, I feel... Yeah like a lot of the work I do is invisible and I think that like there's also a visibility element to this performative southern feminism <laughs> of like I have this big house with big square feet and a baby that like takes cute pictures yeah. and a job that I love and I wake up and I blog about it and you know and, and maybe I'm just calling out the influencers of the world but yeah that's not life and like a lot of the work I do is invisible but I, I find it redeeming and I find it creating pathways for growth in 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 ways that I never thought I had never anticipated yeah I think it's just realizing what because I I do feel like I have a lot of work um like there's a lot of potential for my work and like every day I get you know lots of emails like a hundred emails or something a day and, like, that feels good to feel, like, wanted, I guess, in that space or, like, needed in that space. And I guess I just need to flesh that out for more, like, my personal 
life. That might be part of it. Well, imagine we so imagine a baby on, like, in the other room being like, Mom, Mom, as my mom calls the elusive parrot, as I was, Mom, 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 Mom. Yeah, and I don't want to be the mom that, like, her only friend is her <laughs> oh teenage kid. So. <laughs> my daughter and I are best friends. Okay. Um, problem. Even just, like, in the last few years, I said something to my mom of, like, wanting her not to be as critical. And I said, I just need you to be, like, there for me and to, like, be my friend. She's like, honey, I'm not your friend. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. I'm like, great. Thanks, I, thought, I thought as adults, like, we would maybe be able to get into a space where you weren't, like, <laughs> trying to control what I'm doing. Well, but, but it's but. also, like, the the framing and the paradigm in which our mothers perceived what we would end up doing. Think okay. about that. Yeah. And... Yeah. You know, my mom, as a conformist, is very uncomfortable with me being a non-conformist and being in the political space and getting arrested. I'll never forget. She took Chris aside at a family event and she said, Abby's never going to be able to get a job because she was arrested. <laughs> and Chris looked at her and said, Julian, you realize that the jobs that Afton apply for, that'll be a prerequisite. <laughs> and so, you know, and it's, yeah. and our, and, but our mothers subscribe to these institutions. And like, I think of my mom who majored in Chinese language, was the one of the first stockbrokers in Minneapolis, first licensed stockbrokers. She had climbed so many, you know, walls to get to where she was, and then she got pregnant with me. And then it's like she became a mom, and she, you know, she had these dreams to be an international lawyer, and that never happened. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, she's raised me to pursue my dreams first, independent of these institutions that as Southern women that we have we believe that we should cling to right and i yeah. think like and and as you've been going i was through raised this, independently from that right just, right yeah. but to an extent because an now extent, like yeah. now my mom you know in her now friend groups back. right they're so <laughs> like well has afton had you know is afton pregnant and she's like afton's not having kids but it's yeah. like this pressure of these institutions continuously build upon each other you know across generations and i'm grateful that my parents gave me a break from it like they were mm -hmm. like you don't need to you know you don't need to participate in this at all and you can define your own world and and mm -hmm. i'm grateful that they gave me the opportunity but i i realize that i'm an anomaly and i know that a lot of southern women are still grappling with what this means as well as like you know their personal trajectories in these roles and if you are fulfilled being a mom and a daughter and a wife like i you know i I laud you, you know, I, I laud yeah. that. But at the same time, like, that is not where I find my inherent value. I find it in building power, um, power as defined by taking on the oligarchy. <laughs> I, lo I love that. And I love that you have a passion for your work. And I hope that I can figure out where I'm best, where I'm best suited. Because I'm still so much in the, like, um, kind of, like, entry-level type mindset about things. And I'm just, like, ready to step into my role as like an adult I think I can finally admit that I'm an adult <laughs> and not just pretending to be one you know like catcher in the rye they're gonna be like and, and on grids on this episode Afton and Anna worked through their their uh personal trajectories and their story of self and growing up in in the south like I just imagine this yeah. being like in a in an audio library of historical okay wait maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving us too much credit <laughs> We, we definitely are getting to something, but I, this is the one time I would ask, I would, um, ask everyone to give us feedback <laughs> as 
far as do you um, like Anna and I tearing up? Do you do you you have a career? Do you have a career coaching service for me? Do you have do you have therapy for me? Once again, if you are a psychologist, uh, please call one eight hundred Riddle. (laughs) I'm that enough, but if you take health insurance, please give us a call. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Or if you've gone through a personal uh, yeah, reach out. Of growth. Reach if there's, out. If there's um, if there's a CBD drop I can take. If there's, <laughs> if there's uh, if I just have to rub thieves under behind my ears. If there's any any secret. To if there's any okay. witches, if there's any southern witches listening, yeah. uh, please provide some remedies as to growing up and becoming uh, adults because we would love, <laughs> I would love to rub some witch hazel and cloves on my elbows and become an adult. <laughs> All right. Well, manic. We I'm have... so manic. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, but we're grateful yeah. for. Okay, you go first. Oh God, I'm grateful for. Think of something. Think of something. I'm just getting so sad. Oh, okay. I'll... Can I mention Glee or is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I started rewatching Glee from the beginning. I'm already three seasons in. There's so many episodes. No judgment. Too. That's like sixty Absolutely episodes. No judgment. And it came out my freshman year of high school. And I watched it, like, while I was on TV. And it, like, meant a lot to me. Because I was, like, very musical. I think this also has to do with, like, I've had, like, nine lives, kind of. Like, I've had these periods of my life. Of course you would frame. Of course you would frame cat. (laughs) A cat narrative. I love cats. Um, But I've, I've had these iterations of my life, like, where I was, like, incredibly musical where I was like a college cheerleader where and then like all these identities feel like so foreign to me now <laughs> but in high school I was incredibly musical like just like pop- playing popular music I grew up classically trained but like anyway whatever I was obsessed with Glee like <laughs> obsessed with it and I've started rewatching it and it's really sad now because like three of the main characters have passed away oh, and so that, like that like adds to it for me but I it has brought me so much joy and so much catharsis and it's like almost like it snapped me out of my numbness of like my obsession with like what are we gonna eat next like I bet Alex has wanted to kill me because like oh. my whole life revolves around like the grocery list and like making these elaborate meals and like going to like eight grocery like, stores like what saffron oil do we need for this marmalade thing <laughs> I go to I go to the farmer's market I go to like three grocery stores a week like it's wow. like two hours shopping and like big flex. all this like but no it's like a cry for help my cry for help is that like i read like two books a week and like i'm like cooking a lot like that's not really like which is funny because two weeks ago you were bragging about how many books you read and now realizing that it was slowly yeah devolving okay yeah so i anyway glee has brought me joy because it distracts me from my life at the same time as it helps me process emotions that i haven't processed mm, yet mm. so i just i literally ball like a baby crying is healthy when i watch glee and i realize like i have not cried about anything bad that's happened in my life in the last like six months and that's probably why i'm (laughs) boohooing like crazy that and the planets and the moon (laughs) my uterus Just all, all of the things. All and this red wine in front of me. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. But yeah, the crying has been great. What are you grateful for? Well, as I'm, I'm you know, and it, it, it saddens me because 
just this week, I have felt like I'm part of a bigger community. And not just, like, the political scene, but, like, an actual neighborhood where people know my name and people care about the livelihood of my pets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just, and it was so heartwarming to walk down the street with Frankie and for people to ask, how's Nug? What's happening with Nug? Oh my gosh, where's Nug? How, you know, and it, and it, it's the first time I've ever felt because I, I like you I've moved like I went away to college I moved to Europe I moved back um, and it's the first time that I actually felt like I was part of a neighborhood which hasn't happened since since childhood so mm-hmm. I think for you and I it's been this we're obviously on a nostalgia kick uh, <laughs> and maybe we'll be able to you know move out of it but you know this nostalgia for like you know these these communities that we had growing up and that made us the people we are and I think that like now is the time, especially during a pandemic and, you know, when we um, shed our skin as snakes do. You know, I'm here of the snake in Chinese astrology. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you are. We're going to have to dig into that. Chinese okay, astrology, I think the, I think two the weeks. Dog, the dog. Okay, we'll figure it okay, out. Yeah. But that, you know, these, these institutions rebrand themselves and they, you know, they're iterations of one another. And I think that, like, the community that we're seeking, you know, we have with one another. We have mm-hmm. with... We'll, we'll continue having we'll continue to build yeah it's that feeling of belonging rather than like the specific people in the specific time because right. it's really hard that's what nostalgia comes from it's like so hard to recreate that feeling like if i were to go home or if i was to try to like make a community with like high school best friends like it wouldn't feel the same and so it's just right. like moving forward keeping that forward look like i'm a broken record when i keep saying like I used to be like this, or I used to do this, or I used to love this, and it's like, who cares? Like, that made you who you, I mean, that made you who you right, are, right. and it's beautiful, and it should be left in the past, for the most part, especially, like, at the ages we are, you know, and so, let's move forward, like, let's find joy, and if you want to be my friend, you can find me. This <laughs> for Nana, she needs uh, 100 new followers on the Insta. <laughs> Um, I, I'm honestly being so avoidant and antisocial, and it's only making things worse. So if you want to be my friend, I'm taking applications. <laughs> you can write a 300-word personal essay and send it to gritspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. Please attach a photo of your cats, and if you don't have cats. If you don't have nugs, <laughs> this is the no-go for you. So if you don't have uh, uh, nuggets, particularly tabby cats, you are off the list. So sorry. They must be orange. They must be orange. No acceptance. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, we have reached the end. Um, Once again, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, we'll be back with the political podcast. But we wanted to bring you some raw grits tonight. Oh, maybe I'll raw grits. Episode (laughs) title. It probably is. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our griddles and our family at the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the other podcasters in the network who are doing the Lord's work in the state of Tennessee. Find the good stuff at www.tmholler.com and be sure to subscribe and support the holler while you're there. Follow the holler to keep up with what's going on here in the state at the TN Holler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow Grits at Grits Podcast. Keep it gritty. Bye.